What's up, this Shaq Bear, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 31st episode of Season 2. Today, we're going to be talking about ranking disputes, the Fantasy Pros Accuracy Competition, a flag plant, and so much more with a very special guest. He is a former staff writer of the Hamilton Tiger Cats Football Club, now the lead fantasy analyst at the score. He has placed top seven in each of the last seven seasons in Fantasy Pros Most Accurate Expert Competition, winning the Most Accurate Expert Award in 2019, with over 61,000 followers on Twitter. You know him. You love him. He is the score's Justin Boone. What's going on, Justin? I mean, a lot is going on, actually. I was going to say not much because I feel like that's just a normal <laughs> response. But let's be honest. There's a ton of stuff going on. We're, my phone's going to be blowing up the whole time we're doing this because <laughs> training camps have begun. We got players on the field. We got injuries coming up. We got all this news coming out. It's just a really exciting time of year. So I'm glad you're having me on. And, we can talk about some of this stuff. No, absolutely. I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to get into it. What's well, on my official question list, but I have I have to ask. I think just for the fans, because most people on Twitter are just like, okay, Justin Boone, he does rankings. He's really good at him. He probably lives under a rock. So I guess my <laughs> other my question for you is, what do you do outside? Like when you turn off the fantasy football, which is admittedly hard to do for myself. Like, what do you like to do for fun in general? Like, what are your some of your other hobbies besides being an expert ranker? Uh, love hiking. Love getting outdoors. Um, was able to go to the the Canadian Rockies a couple years ago for the first time. And since then I've just been figuring out if I can move there or not, because I just want to spend all my time in the mountains now. Um, You know, love movies, love, you know, eating out. I I always tell my friends that have kids because I don't have kids, but I always tell my friends that have kids. Like for me, my whole life, I've always budgeted to go and sit on a patio and have drinks and have a nice meal. Like that's like my happy place. Right. And yeah. where I'm living now, we were able to, to move out of the city a couple of years ago and we got a house and a nice area and we're kind of a few blocks away from the water. And there's a bunch of nice patios here that kind of look out on the water. So, um, you know, what I'm doing, if I can, as much as I can get into one of those places and, and having a, an adult beverage on the patio and looking out <laughs> the water and just trying to, to relax because when the season gets going, there's not a lot of opportunities to do that. And I start to kind of wind myself a little tighter the further we get into the year. And uh, yeah, it's good to just kind of relax and get some sun, maybe get a tan, even though right now I look like I could probably use a little more of a tan. But uh, but yeah, to, to get to do that in the summer, I try to cram as much of that in in the off season as I can, because yeah, during the season, not too many opportunities for it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess going off of that, like with you do for your career, did you always want to be a writer, journalist, or even an expert ranker? I'm sure as a five-year-old, you knew that was your passion is winning the expert competition. (laughs) So like, how did you get into that? And like, how did you, your story is pretty incredible, get to be the lead fantasy analyst at the score? Yeah, I mean, it's not something that I ever thought was going to happen. You know, when I was in school, I kind of, even coming out of high school, I had no clue what I wanted to do. Um, I had really good grades and they kind of told me I could you know, almost write my own ticket, do whatever. And I just had no clue. And so I went to school for something that I thought was really interesting, which was philosophy. But I wasn't really like factoring in where am I going to go with this career wise. And, you know, there are jobs you can do out of philosophy. A lot of people become lawyers and stuff like that. But I really didn't have much interest in that. So took a year off after that. 
tried to figure things out. I was bartending, serving, wasn't sure what was next. And my dad at the time gave me a, a pretty good piece of advice. He said, you know, you just have to have something that you know, can sustain yourself. You got to have in, you know, whether you want to call it your plan B or whatever and continue to focus on something else, you got to have something. Right. And I was like, you know what? I love writing. I love sports. I'm going to go and try to be a sports writer with an attempt to be a, a football sports writer if I can. And I was, I was really lucky that, you know, got into a journalism program. And then after that I came out, got a job with the Hamilton tiger cats. So not uh, NFL, but CFL the closest thing to NFL. And really got to get immersed in football at that point, learn how a team works. And I've talked about this on my show and yeah. some other shows before. But, um, you know, so that kind of gave me a, an opportunity where I was like, wait a minute, like maybe I could make football like my full time job. And I always assumed I'm I'm from Canada, um, you know, born and raised in Niagara Falls. And now I live about, you know, 20 minutes out of, out of Niagara Falls, um, spent some time in Toronto for about. 10 years, but now I'm kind of in between the two. And I always assumed I was going to have to move to the U S to, to do football full time. Um, and after the tie cats, I got a job with TSN, which is like Canadian ESPN. And you know, it was great. I got to run the NFL section there. And after a few years, I was really loving fantasy football. I was having a lot of success with fantasy football. And I thought, you know what, I'm doing my own rankings, my own projections and everything already. Why don't I see if I can help our, our fantasy writer at the time, who was Scott Cullen, great guy, and see if he'll let me kind of join him and publish my rankings and stuff. And Scott was awesome about it. And he, absolutely. So we were publishing our rankings kind of side by side. And then I came across the, the Fantasy Pros Most Accurate Expert competition. And because I was now publishing my rankings on a legit site, I was like, maybe I can get into this. So I contacted them. They let me in. And yeah, that first year, it was kind of just you know, don't embarrass yourself. Maybe I could finish in the top half. I think there was maybe, there was over a hundred, maybe 120 analysts in it at that point. And I was just kind of hoping, you know, maybe finish in the top 60 or so, and that would be great. And pretty early on, I, I got right up into the top 10 and I started to the competitive fires got going. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, I, I think I could actually win this thing. Sure. Um, and I didn't that first year, I finished eighth, but that was still like a, an amazing success. And then after that, it was, you know, I think I finished 11th maybe the next year. And that's the lowest I've like ever finished in the contest, um, which sucks because I love to say like how many top 10 finishes. And yeah. that one, I was like just outside of the top 10. <laughs> but uh, yeah, since then, it's just been like, you know, just smooth sailing, been top seven now, like you said, for for seven straight years. And uh, yeah, just been been crushing the contest. So it's it's been fantastic. It, you know, it's, it's really helped. I thank Fantasy Pros for that because you know, they've really helped give me credibility without them. Yeah. I would just be some guy who's, you know, telling everybody that I'm good at fantasy. And, uh, you know, they kind of gave me that, that platform to kind of show everybody that, you know, I, I can compete. And then, you know, my rankings are some of the most accurate in the industry, if not the most accurate. And, uh, after TSN, I, I started working at the score and I've been at the score now for eight years, maybe wow. nine years. I'm not sure. I'm not even doing the math properly there, but, uh, it's been a while now and it's been fantastic in the last uh, three, four years I've been full-time fantasy and that's just like a dream come true. And, you know, I was working from home before the, the quarantine stuff happened. I was very lucky to, to start working remotely and it's just been fantastic doing stuff like this, doing videos, writing the rankings, our draft kit, which is out now. Um, yeah, it's really just, it's a, it's crazy to look back on it. And I've talked before about, you know, all the little things that could have gone differently or along the way, but it really worked out and I couldn't be happier. That's awesome. No, I, I love to hear that. And I mean, for people that don't know, uh, that don't know Justin Boone, 
I've been following your rankings for about three years now. I found you and I was looking at different rankings on Bleacher Report. And I actually had no idea that you were among the top. I just kept, I used your rankings a few times and I was like, he was right. Like he, he ended up being right a bunch of times and I kept going back and going back. And then I saw that you were at the top. And so pretty amazing. But the thing is that a lot of people do rankings now. I mean, last year, I think there was around 170 or 180 people that were eligible to do it. And once again, you finished in the top seven. So I think for the people that are starting to do rankings themselves or people that wonder about rankings, like, do you have any like secret sauce or anything in particular that gives you think gives you the edge? I mean, you don't have to give away all your secrets. You know, you got to keep like the Krabby Patty secret formula safe. You can't let anyone know. But like, what would be the biggest tips that you have for people that are getting into rankings or the biggest things that you could, you know, peel back the curtain a little and say, like, these are the things that would really help? Well, I mean, there isn't like one thing yeah. that I can kind of point to. And, and there's, you know, there's the obvious one that I think most people say, which is like hard work. And I think that's just a given, sure. um, you know, and I've, I've probably made some mistakes even with that along the way, made some unhealthy decisions, <laughs> lack of sleep and that kind of stuff, which, you know, at the time, because I'm competitive, I thought was really necessary and maybe it was, but you know, the last few years, it's been, you know, a lot of late nights, you know, on Sundays, I've talked about this, that I, I wake up at like four o'clock in the morning, um, just because I wanted that extra time. And that's normally after going to bed pretty late, because often either Saturday early or Saturday at night, I'm updating the rankings again, uh, then and then I sleep for, you know, two, three hours. And then I'm up at four, because I want to take on all the, the Schefter and Rappaport news that's coming in, I want to be able to kind of sit and let that bake and, and, you know, figure that out as opposed to just, you know, waking up and, Oh my God, there's all this extra news and I got to figure it out in you know, 30 minutes or something. Um, so there isn't like one thing I can point to. And it's like with fantasy, there isn't, you know, one stat that's going to be predictive. It's just a lot of things. There are so many different data points out there. And I think that's the biggest thing when you're factoring in like the, the hard work that I'm saying it's, consuming as much possible information as you can, you know, listening to, to great podcasts and figuring out which podcasts. And there's a variety of things out there. There's some that are really entertaining. There's some that are incredibly informative. There's very few that I think can do both really well. Um, but figuring out the ones that work for you. And like you said, coming across analysis where you start to realize, wait, this person, you know, they're getting a lot of things right. Yeah. And that's not just me. There's a bunch of people in the industry like that. Um, so finding those people and kind of taking in and not just going off of what they say. That's one of the funniest things. I always tell everybody, don't just follow my rankings and just go by that. I don't yep. think that would be very fun. I think I should just be another one of those data points along the way that you can kind of look at what I'm doing, but still you should make your own rankings. I have people asking me on Twitter, should I do this? Should I do that? And I'll give them my take. And then sometimes they argue strongly, well, I really wanted to keep this player instead. And I always say, trust your gut then. Like you've been doing this sure. long enough. You guys know, trust your gut. You don't want to make that decision simply based on my rankings. And then it ends up being wrong. And you're angry because you thought it was the opposite. <laughs> you want to look at my rankings. That gives you an idea of, okay, that's what he's thinking. But if you have very sound logic for why you want to keep a player or start a player that week, go for it. Because I am not right all the time. And the, the kind of the unfortunate thing with the fantasy pros contest is even the top analysts, like, three or four years ago, they kind of did it differently. And they gave you like a percentage of how accurate you were. Yeah. And the top analysts were like 60%, 70% was like a great number to hit. Nobody's a hundred percent in yeah. this. No one gets everything right. Anybody that tells you that they do, they're lying to you. So that's why you should look at a variety of different sources uh, to try to figure everything out. But if you want to just look at the rankings themselves, look at as much information as possible, not just the 
offensive skill position players. Look at the offensive line, what's happening there, injuries, matchups, everything. On the defensive side, what's happening there? Who's playing great? Who's not? How have teams changed along the way, right? Everybody wants to look back and go, what happened last year or during the season? What happened last week? You can't. You have to kind of look at what's changing every single week during the year and be willing to change your outlook. You can't have take lock. you got to constantly change throughout the season. So, I don't know. Those are some things. When you're looking at the, the contest, because I know um, Kyle Yates of Fantasy Pros, he was answering questions from people last night. And someone had asked him about the analyst contest. And he said, you know, I think the people that are near the top, you know, one of the things is they probably figured out the scoring system and they're able to kind of yeah. game that a little bit. And I know Pat Fitzmaurice, uh, he responded pretty quickly and was like, if there's a way to game it, I haven't figured it out yet. And when I saw it, I started laughing because I was like, I've tried. I've tried to look at what they do. There's been times when I have a bad week or something and I go, okay, I got to be able to look at what they're doing and figure this out. And I don't really understand the scoring system that they have there. And like I said, they changed it a few years ago. All I know is that whatever I did that first year, it worked and I've been able to just kind of constantly refine it. And more of the refining is about, you know, the other things I'm doing, the stats that I'm building into my projections and stuff. Um, and it's just been working. So I responded to Kyle kind of just laughing and joking about it saying like, yeah, like I wish I knew that there was some sort of trick to it, but uh, unfortunately there's not. The only thing I will say is I rank a lot of players, but not everyone that ranks a lot of players in that contest does well. So I don't think that's necessarily it. Sure. Um, but yeah, I rank, you know, it's 32 quarterbacks, maybe 33, uh, during the season. If you got like a Taysom Hill type guy who's still putting up good stats, running backs, it's like a hundred running backs normally every week, um, receiver 140, 150 sometimes. And then tight end is the dumbest one tight end. Sometimes I'll rank like 60 or 70 tight ends. Like the guys that, cause you know, it, there yeah. might not be 60 tight ends that scored fantasy points during a week, but you have those guys that have a better shot at scoring a touchdown, the, you know, the Lee Smiths of the world or those kind of guys, right. That they just show Absolutely. up a few times every season and they score a touchdown. So even though in fantasy leagues, they're not being used, I'm still ranking those guys. So that might be one area, but like I said, I know there's other analysts that rank a lot of players and, and haven't finished near the top. So I don't know if that's the, the secret sauce or not, but that's kind of a bunch of different thoughts. Um, just kind of what bakes into my final product no for sure those are all great thoughts and i think the two biggest takeaways that i have in that and learning in fantasy myself i mean obviously i'm not where you are but i think two of the biggest things that you said is when there's new information presented you can't have take lock there's always something new that you can learn and always a different angle that you can look at something that you didn't hear and i think that's the biggest thing but i think the the most important thing in fantasy football that i don't think people use enough is like you kind of talked about finding that one edge you get up at four, more, four in the morning to find that one piece of news that someone else isn't that's going to change the rankings here or there. Even I talk about my podcast, like I look at the weather and the weather is something that's really made a difference for me in fantasy football because it's that one edge that the other guy in your league is not willing to find. And that will make a difference between you being top seven or top 10 at the end of the day and every year. Um, well, and the later you go in the week too, right? Yeah. Like the weather often comes into the factor yep. because that's something that often pops up Sunday morning. For sure. And and I don't fault people. There's a lot of people that aren't really looking at their fantasy team Sunday morning. Maybe yep. they set it on Friday or Saturday. Maybe they're sleeping in. Maybe they live on the West Coast. There's not as much time to wake up before the game. So yeah. the closer you get to kickoff, the more news that comes out at that point. Yep. And maybe that's another thing, you know, like yeah. I'm updating my rankings when inactives come out at 1130. I'm updating my rankings again there. And I, maybe there's some analysts that aren't, um, but y you have to, because 
that's when people need to make those final decisions. Yep. So your rankings need to be up to date with whoever's in, whoever's out, and not just that, but where else is it going to affect teams, right? If a tight end's out, does that mean that the receivers are going to get more? Does that mean that the running back's going to get more targets that week, right? Like there's a, And each team is different. Each system's different. So you kind of just have to – and the longer you – the longer you do it, the more you kind of realize, you know, what some of the coaches and coordinators are all about. And it Absolutely. makes it a little easier year after year to figure like some of that stuff out on the fly. But yeah, there's just a lot like anything. There's a lot of things that go into it. There isn't just one, one simple answer, but um, I find it really fun. I find it really fun to, to get to figure all that out. It's like one big puzzle that you're yeah. trying to put together every week or trying to put together every year. Absolutely. But I mean, it shows like you, you love what you do when you could talk about it all day and all the different things that go into it. I think that's so cool. And I love getting to hear about it, especially for us as, as fans that aren't in the top seven for seven straight years. I mean, it's really cool to hear about that process and how you do that and to be able to apply some of that to our own rankings and our own ways that we play fantasy. But there's no way, better way to get into that than to talk about some expert consensus rankings. ECR is a thing I'm going to refer to a lot in this episode. It means expert consensus rankings, all the people in the competition right now, what their average rank is for the thing. And the first player we have to start off with is my flag plant for this year, Jalen Hurts. So I'm extremely high on Jalen Hurts. He is an ECR of 10 right now. And Justin, you currently have him at 13. I know there's some Deshaun Watson news we talked about before the show, but are you going to go back up on Jalen Hurts? And how concerned are you that he's going to finish lower than where ECR has him right now? I'll tell everybody, you were so fired up before the show that you were like giving it to me before we even started that you were mad about my Jalen Hurts take. <laughs> so there's a lot to, and this would be a great example. There is a lot to factor in here, right? So right off the bat, I'll tell you, I had him ranked higher even a few days ago. Yeah. And the other thing, when you look at the rankings, there's different tiers, right? So I think there's a pretty big drop off kind of after like QB 13 or so. Um, I think that's when you start to really get into there's a, a big jump after that. So, OK, now we're really swinging for the fences and hoping that those lower guys can get up into the yep. QB one range. But the top 13, they all have a pretty good shot to finish as QB ones as like they're they're leaps and bounds ahead of those other guys. So it hurts is in that mix. Um, a lot of people are looking at him and saying, this is going to be the the Lamar Jackson. This is going to be the, the Josh Allen or Kyler Murray, the guy who's just showed us a little bit last year and now is going to take this massive leap. 100% possible. I wrote him up as a breakout candidate in my yep. breakout candidates you column. Um, you know, the offensive line is going to be better. They got him better weapons this year. We know about the rushing ability. That alone could get him up into the top five or so. So I'm with you on all of that. And I think at one point I had him as high as like QB eight or nine in my rankings uh, during the off season. Now, why did I move him down? One, you mentioned it, Deshaun Watson. There were the rumors that maybe the Eagles were in on Deshaun Watson. And now we don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. I think he's going to face some sort of suspension this year. Will it be the whole year? Will he get put on the commissioner's exempt list or will it end up being, you know, 10 games, 12 games, something like that enough that, maybe a team's willing to take a shot on him and and make a deal before the season. It's possible. I don't think anyone's going to trade for him before the year, but that is definitely possible. And the fact that the Eagles were kind of mentioned as like the top team, the front runners yep. for him, that's a little worrisome for how they view Hertz. That's true. Um, so a little concerning there. Um, also, when I'm doing drafts, when you're in the moment, when you're on the clock, you got to make these decisions. Who do you feel the strongest about? And while Hertz has all of that upside, he is still very unproven. We saw a really small sample size from him late last season. 
He performed great. He had a couple really big games. They were really nice game scripts for him where he was up against bad defenses and he had to throw a lot and he had two 300-yard games. I think it was the Cowboys and the Cardinals. And it happened right during fantasy playoff time. So fantasy managers are just all in there. They've seen that and now they think he's going to be the next guy. So maybe that could happen, but still very small sample size and, and still kind of unproven. And then some of the other guys in that range, the Tom Brady's, Matt Stafford, Ryan Tannehill, now that Julio's there, there's guys that I just feel more confident in that often, based on ADP, you can get cheaper in your yeah, drafts. That's fair. And that's what was happening for me. I was just passing on Hertz and taking those other guys to the point where I said, okay, wait, there's a reason why I'm doing this. And then the Watson thing came out and I said, all right, I'm going to bump him down sort of to the end of that tier. Um, and I have him and Burrow kind of near each other now. And Burrow, another guy with a ton of upside, but has this injury issue. Is he going to sure. run as much this year? <laughs> I think he'll be fine just based on the fact that last year he was on pace to lead the league in pass attempts before he got hurt. So even if he's not running as much, he's going to throw the ball a ton with great weapons there. So um, I think both those guys have an opportunity. I'm just not as confident in them as I am in the, the Staffords and the, the Brady's and the Tannehill's who occupy the end of that kind of QB one range. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. And I think you make some fair points. I think the one thing that I keep hanging my hat on the end of the day, well, one, I mean, the offensive line combined last year missed three out of the total five seasons that they could play. Obviously that does make an impact and especially their offensive line at the end of the year was rough. But the the biggest thing, and this is from Ian Hart, it's friend of the show, actually, um, in the 22 instances of a QB totaling at least a hundred rush attempts in a single season since 2010, 15 of those which is 68% finished as a top eight fantasy QB. So three of the seven that did not were actually top eight in fantasy points per game. One of the other four that didn't was Lamar Jackson's rookie year where he started seven games and was the QB five over that span. The only three QBs to not hit top eight in points per game or finish were Tim Tebow, Colin Kaepernick in 2014, and Cam Newton in 2020. So again, there's a lot of things that could go wrong with this offense. It could be really bad. And I think the game script thing, like you said, I think a lot of people can definitely hang their hats on the fact that he had a couple big games and really good game scripts that pumped him up last year. But I think when you add in the Devontae Smith, and I think that stat alone with just the rushing numbers, when that's 100 rush attempts, which is six and a half per game, then he was on pace to set the league record on like 11 rush attempts per game. He's not going to hit that this year. But just on that alone is a reason that I'm going to have him as high as I do just because I think rushing is such a cheat code. But again, I don't blame you at all for having him as late as you do. And, you know, well, we saw this even, you know, down the stretch, if you want to continue to make a case for him, you know, Lamar Jackson, after that first year, he came in for whatever it was, yep. six games or so and really lit the fantasy world on fire. And he was mm -hmm. running all the time. And then leading into the next season, there were questions. Yep. Is he going to throw enough? You know, he's unproven. And then he came out and continued right where he left off and, sure. and had a great year. So it's definitely possible that we see Hertz uh, do that. I just think there, there's a lot of risk associated with him as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fair enough. But let's stick on the topic of rushing quarterbacks. Talk about Trey Lance. This is one of my favorite rankings I think you have looking through all of them. You have Trey Lance at 17 right now. The ECR is 26. So before I let you talk about Trey Lance, um, I think one of the things that you mentioned when talking about Jalen Hurts and some of these other quarterbacks, you said like the, the other tier below is just so low that it's hard to like the other guys just have to be pumped up. So is that kind of part of your reasoning with Trey Lance, if I have that correctly? And how confident are you that Trey Lance is going to start pretty early having him ranked as high as 17 right now? So uh, it's definitely another one that, that has some risk associated with it, but you're on the, the right line there after that top 13 or so, 
you're just looking for ceiling. You're just, I don't want a floor. I want a ceiling. I want a guy that could crack the top 10 or even the top five. And, and Lance is that kind of guy. And I know the 49ers and the bears with fields. It's kind of the same situation with both of those guys. They're saying the right things. The veteran's going to start. We got a plan, but those plans get thrown out the window pretty quick. When you have a rookie come into camp that just lights it up and looks fantastic. And that's what we could see from both of these guys. You know, uh, there's maybe a better chance that, you know, fields could end up sitting a little longer just based on the way that coaching staff's talked and, and, you know, Andy Dalton and whatnot. But I think Lance is going to end up in there, whether it's, you know, in week one, which I still think is a possibility, whether it's a couple games into the year, there is no way in my mind that Garoppolo can hold him off. Lance is going to unlock that offense. The rushing ability, you want to look at these guys like the Josh Allens and the Lamar Jacksons. And, and really, Lance, I think, compares pretty favorably to Josh Allen as that guy that is kind of still raw, you know, isn't completely put together, but he's going to a team that has a great coaching staff. And that's what happened with Allen. He ended up in this great system, this coaching staff that was willing to kind of bring him along at the right pace and give him all the pieces. And for the bills, it took a couple of years to kind of fix the offensive line. And they eventually got Stefan Diggs. for the 49ers. This is already set up. It is perfectly yep. set up for Lance. The offensive line is solid. They brought back Trent Williams. You have all these great weapons with Brandon Ayuk getting ready to break out and Debo Samuel coming back and George Kittle. We know the rushing attack is always going to be solid in a Kyle Shanahan offense. So everything is there around him, including a team that is pretty much ready to go to the Super Bowl. Wasn't that long ago that they were there and they had some bad injury luck last year. You put Lance under center and all of a sudden, that offense could reach some new heights that Garoppolo just isn't going to be able to take them to. Garoppolo is going to be more of that kind of game manager. So, you know, we could talk all day about what Lance did in college and, you know, he didn't really play last year, just kind of that one game. And the year before 1100 rushing yards, 14 rushing touchdowns, like this guy is going to be a force. And I have a lot of faith in that coaching staff there. And then the other thing we want to look at this is believing that he is eventually going to get under center. Their late season schedule from week 14 to week 17 amazing. matters most for fantasy. <laughs> it's amazing. Bengals, Falcons, Titans, Texans, right? Amazing. Like I want pieces of that 49ers offense. And so while Lance is a guy that if you draft him, you're going to probably have to take another quarterback as well. For sure. A guy who could start and you might have to go with one of those safer options like a Kirk Cousins or a Matt Ryan or something early in the season. But eventually Lance is going to be your starter and a guy that's going to put up huge fantasy points, especially down the stretch there. Yeah, but I think that the biggest thing, though, is that people, I think, are getting wrong about Trey Lance. The fact that you like you can't find a time over the last 20 years where a top three pick that's a QB has not started at some point in the season. I mean, that doesn't mean that every top three sure. pick is putting up production, but we've literally never seen it happen. He is going to start. And that's why, especially with teams with deeper benches, I'm encouraging people, like, take him with the last pick in your draft and stash him because he's going to be a cheat code in the playoffs. He could be what Jalen Hurts was in the last couple weeks last year. Um, I absolutely love him. And I think the biggest thing that, like you mentioned, is that Trey Lance just opens up this offense more. He has three yards after the catch monsters. He doesn't need to be a, a super thrower. I mean, you've seen them prop up Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard. I mean, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback, but those other two guys, they really propped up just because they're weapons alone. This is a team built ready for the Super Bowl, and Trey Lance opens up that offense. I think that sooner rather than later, he's going to take over, whether Jimmy, stay, Jimmy G stays healthy or not. Um, I think Trey Lance is the guy. But real quick, we're going to stick with the 49ers theme for the next player we're going to talk about, but we're going to take a quick break. So sticking with the 49ers backfield, 
The next guy we want to talk about is Trey Sermon. I have to hit you with just two stats real quick before we talk about Trey Sermon. So Trey Sermon, you have him at 28. ECR right now is 37. My biggest concern with Trey Sermon is definitely not the talent or the fact that they drafted him up. They Sorry, they drafted up to get him. But the biggest thing that scares me a little bit with him is the fact that since 2017, no running back has hit 180 touches in that offense, which is only 12 per game. And no running back has hit a 40% snap share since 2017, Carlos Hyde, where he finishes a top 10 running back. I just feel like with that backfield, it, it concerns me a little bit. But obviously, you're seeing something that some of us aren't, especially some of the experts. Um, I trust you on this one. So I'm I'm here for, for all the Trey Sermon love. Okay, so... I mean, if you want to look at those last few years, who have the running backs been? Like yeah. Tevin Coleman and Matt Breda and Mostert, who Mostert, the ceiling is there. Mostert, mm-hmm. one of the fastest players in the league. Guy could score from anywhere on the field. He just, it's almost like Breda. He can't stay healthy. He can't yeah. be that that lead back, that sustaining back. He needs to be part of a committee. And we saw this already in OTAs and minicamp. Mostert was on the sidelines and they called it a minor knee issue and we'll see if he's back out there for training camp. But, you know, it's a concern that a guy that already had durability questions wasn't able to be there for the offseason practices. And it allowed Sermon to get out there and play with the ones. And according to reports, he impressed. He looked like he belonged out there with the first team offense. And now he's out there in training camp and doing much of the same. So that's a great sign. Um, also, you know, Sermon profiles as more of that sustaining back, unlike some of those other guys we just mentioned, That's the Tevin true. Coleman's, Breda, and Mostert, the guys that have gotten dinged up nonstop. Sermon is that, that guy who, who could handle a bigger load, who could grind out those yards, who could be that kind of Alfred Morris-type breakout on top of the fact that, you know, he's not a guy that's coming from out of nowhere to do it. He's a guy that, like you said, they traded up to get him. Now, that happened a few years ago where Kyle Shanahan wanted Joe Williams and they traded up to get Joe Williams in the middle of the draft. And that didn't really work out. And I can say from experience, I bought in on that one as well and had a couple of shares there that kind of just went poof and disappeared. But uh, Sermon, I think at this point, with all of those other things, we talked about so much of it already. The schedule is really easy for them, not just at the Very end true. of the season, but overall. I think they have a, a top two or three a fantasy schedule on my metric. And you look at that, you look at the offensive line, you look at all the weapons around him, you look at the fact that I think they're going to get better quarterback play at some point this year. And then he's just attached now to Kyle Shanahan. I think, and it's another thing, kind of like the quarterbacks, when you get to a certain point with the running backs, there's not that many guys. After you get past the guys who you think could start, you get into the the Mike Davises and the Miles Gaskins and the guys who have some risk, but that we project them to be the starter in their offense. And then after that, it drops off very quickly. That's true. And Sermon ends up right in that range. When you look at who you want to draft and you start to look at the ceilings of all those guys, Sermon is right up there in my mind. So I think he should get taken. You know, he's not going to go in the top five or six rounds. You're going to be able to get him outside of that. But I also think you should place a chip on Mostert just in case. I think because we've seen him put up stats for stretches. Absolutely. I think you should put a chip much later on on Wayne Goleman on Elijah Mitchell, another rookie who kind of profiles as maybe that rookie version of Mostert, a guy who's really fast and can maybe take over that kind of role down the road. But yeah, getting pieces of that 49ers offense is a must for me. And most years it's wanting to get just pieces of that backfield. 
this year, I want all those pieces because I think they're all going to help you win a fantasy title with that great schedule down the stretch. I love that. I love that. Well, I guess like one of the things that I think it's interesting that you said was that after your Gaskin or your Mike Davis is around running back 24 or stuff, it starts to fall off and you're, then you're looking for the ceiling plays at the end of the day. So I guess my question for you is that, is that the same thing with Michael Carter, who's the next guy that we're going to talk about? So you have him as running back 31. ECR has him at 38. And I looked at the study over the last 10 years or so. And of the last 221 running backs drafted in four, round four or later, only 36 of them hit a top 24 season in their career, which is just a 16.4% hit rate. But again, I think one of the things that you said is the upside. In training camp yesterday, they're already saying that he's been the 1A and he has the pass catching upside that other, these guys don't have. And then the other thing that we just talked about with the 49ers, it's guys that don't hold up behind him. Like you said, like Tevin Coleman or even, I hate to say it, but Ty Johnson and some of those other guys. How that, dare you? <laughs> I, I know. I mean, really, really, how dare I for the Ty Johnson truthers, but is that the same thing with the upside that you're looking at, especially with what we've seen in training camp and OTA so far of how they project this backfield to play out? Uh, to an extent, I before they showed up for training camp and we got those recent reports where he was already running with the ones, which I didn't kind of expect. Now it's early, but I didn't expect that they were just going to open up. Most teams open up and they put the veteran in there, especially when that coaching staff came from the 49ers. They got a bit of a history with Tevin Coleman. So I thought, okay, we're going to go through this ordeal where Tevin Coleman's going to be the starter and then Carter will have to take it from him. So that really that ranking in my projection for him was mostly based on the fact that I think at worst, he is going to get a lot of work in the passing game. He is a really good pass catcher and that is kind of going to be a committee. At least that's what I expected. Now, the fact that he's opening up and they have him running with the ones and we have the beat writers saying he's looking good in that role. Now you start looking and go, okay, maybe his ceiling is a little higher than I thought. Um, a lot of things going well for them. I think there's a few teams out there that and the jets are definitely one of them that, uh, people are looking at them and we talked about kind of that, that last year bias or kind of what you've seen from a team and you yeah. can't get that thought out of your head. You've had Adam Gase there. You've had the jets just be bad for so long. For sure. Things are about to change. Think of all the changes that have happened. The 49ers guys coming over. That's a new coaching staff. They've invested in the offensive line. That left side of the offensive line might be you know up there as long as both those guys pan out. And I think Beckton already has, but We'll see if Vera Tucker can as well. That left side of the line could be one of the best in the league for a long time. You draft a really high quarterback. You go and invest in your receiving core as well. You pay up to get Corey Davis. You draft Elijah Moore, really exciting rookie there. And even some lesser moves like Keelan Cole, things like that. So there has been a lot of changes in that Jets offense. And I think the ceiling and the upside for that offense is a lot higher than maybe some people realize based on where all, all those guys are getting drafted. Even Zach Wilson, I mean, you look at all these rookie quarterbacks, even though I don't like him as much as Lance and Fields, I still think you have a guy who is definitely going to start every game, barring injury, and a guy who now is in this nice situation where you have all these upgrades around him. So I think the Jets offense could be better than people think. And yeah, now based on the fact that he's opening camp with the ones that they're already comfortable having him out there essentially as the starter, even though it's just practice, um, that really ups uh, his ceiling and, and makes him a much more exciting guy. And in the range that you can get him, there's not a ton of risk where you have to take him. Yep. Um, not at all with him and Sermon. You're just drafting based on upside there. And if, you know, if you're going with hero RB or zero RB or whatever, you got to be taking those guys in those middle rounds. I love that. I love that. Is that the same? So like you just said, again, 
the Jets offense is something that people have too much last year's bias on. And you, know, you don't like Zach Wilson as much as you like Fields or even Trey Lance. But again, I think they're going to be a lot more serviceable than people realize. I'm 100% with you. But probably looking through your rankings, probably my favorite ranking that I saw is the next one we're going to talk about. That's Elijah Moore right now. Elijah Moore is going as the ECR 68, and he is just absolutely criminally underrated. You have him all the way up at 44 right now, 24 spots ahead of ECR. So please, Mr. Justin Boone, tell us why we need to be drafting Elijah Moore. I'm 100% with you. I, I love this exercise because normally, like, I'll wait till closer to the season. I'll look at ECR, like, if I'm going to submit my rankings to, to Fantasy Pros, just to give that last kind of check. You know, is there, there anybody that I'm way off on that, yeah. like, maybe I'm insane or I need to rethink or something like that? I do that during the season on Sunday morning, and I, I do that, you know, kind of end of August, early September. I don't spend a lot of time looking at ECR during the offseason. I also don't want that to like impact my thinking, right? Like if everyone's going one way, I still want to feel confident in my take. So it's nice to see that I'm that much higher on them than, than ECR. The other thing with ECR too at this point is we don't know when everyone's updated. So sure. there could be people that like posted their rankings in, in March or April or something on Fantasy yeah. Pros and haven't updated <laughs> yet. So maybe we'll see that number come up a little higher, especially because I think he's going to get a lot of buzz and in training camp, which he got a lot of buzz in uh, in mini camps as well, so that would be one thing. The beat writers saying that during mini camp, this guy was the best player on the field on Off both sides of the ball, yeah. best player on the field for the Jets. <laughs> we always have to remember with New York, they have like that hype machine with the media That's there, That's so true. you have to factor <laughs> that in when you have these like New York players, especially mm-hmm. rookies coming out. They want to get really excited about them, um, but I don't think that's the case with more. And I also wish that I had uh, Ray Garvin, uh, Ray GQ uh, yeah. on Twitter. Um, I had him on the the podcast last year talking about the prospects, looking ahead, even before the NFL season, looking ahead to who could be the top prospects in the draft. And he mentioned Elijah Moore as somebody that he absolutely loved and said all the things that. You know, he's not just a slot guy. He can play outside as well. All the things that now everyone else is starting to realize. Ray is super sharp guy. Everybody should be following him. Um, but yeah, we're, we're seeing him go out there. And the team was more than ready to move on from Jamison Crowder. Crowder basically, it feels like he begged them to stay. He took a massive <laughs> pay cut. Uh, they were fine with moving on from him. Yep. Denzel Mims already with the second team. He's not even really getting a sniff at this point. Wouldn't be shocked if he ended up getting traded or something. Doesn't seem like he's in their plans. And part of that is because if we're bringing over that 49ers system, they want receivers that are are quick or are great after the catch. And Mims doesn't really profile that, right? He's that bigger bodied outside guy. Uh, Elijah Moore, fantastic at all those things, Absolutely. right? So when you add up all the stuff that we talked about, and it's nice because we just talked about it with, you know, we talked about the Jets in the last one as well, and kind of the same with the 49ers doubling up, but you could reference a lot of that stuff, right? All the, the upgrades that they have on that offense, it's just going to make that offense that much better. And Moore has a chance to come out and be the top receiver. Even though they paid Corey Davis, he has a chance to really establish himself as the top guy. And I think he's going to see a lot of volume. I think he's going to be a star, but I think he's going to see a lot of volume in year one and could potentially break out even this year. Yeah, and I think the other thing off that is, again, people already are, are freaking out about the fact that he's running with the second team um, in day one at training camp. But one of the things that I wanted to know for people that are seeing that is last year the same thing happened with Justin Jefferson. He was running with the twos, and Mike Zimmer was like, he's right where he belongs. Like, And then you saw what he did last year. And I think the other thing, Matt Harmon, friend of the show, does reception perception. I'm sure you're familiar with reception perception. He charted Elijah Moore. And Elijah Moore was just absolutely amazing. Among college players, he was in the 95th percentile, and I think in beating man 
and zone. And Robert Salah himself said in June that, I mean, this guy's mindset's off the chart. His work ethic is off the charts. He can line up wherever you want and beat you. I think this, I'm not saying he's going to finish his wide receiver eight like Justin Jefferson is. I'm not saying that. But he's going as 68 right now. You have him at 44, which still people could argue is underrated when this guy is going to probably run with the first team. The later training camp goes on. He's beating everybody. And then when someone like Matt Harmon says this guy always gets open. And I think the other thing that you talked about with even LSU and the next guy we're going to talk about is Jamar Chase. It's when teams are wide receiver factories, you see that more and more guys that come out tend to play well, like with LSU. Odo Beckham, Jarvis Landry, and then you come out with Justin Jefferson, and now Jamar Chase is coming out, Terrence, Terrace Marshall, and then you have, I mean, Ole Miss with DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, maybe Elijah Moore is that next guy, so I'm all in on Elijah Moore, but sticking on that topic of rookies, what about Jamar Chase? So this is one that I really want to believe in, and maybe I saw one clip from training camp yesterday, and man, that guy looks good. So I think the <laughs> biggest thing that I want to note with your ranking of Jamar Chase is the fact that he's an ECR of 26. You have him at 19, and that is over T. Higgins, who you have at 21. Why do you think that T. Higgins should be over Jamar? I'm sorry. Why should Jamar Chase be over T. Higgins for one? And why should you have him as high as you do right now? Well, let's quickly tie it into so, the last yeah, one, too, by please. saying that uh, Elijah Moore is doing a lot of things off the field. And th yep. this is a little bit of narrative, please. but you see him going out for, for dinner with Zach Wilson. They're posting that on Instagram. They're out together, you know. I remember when Michael Thomas came out and now I know Michael Thomas is a bit of a sore spot because of the injuries and he hasn't done as much <laughs> the last couple of years here. But when he came in that first year and broke out, we were getting all the reports that he's in Drew Brees's, you know, hip pocket. He's following around everywhere. They're on the same page. He's really hardworking. We're getting kind of some of that same oh, narrative with like Elijah that. Moore. Now he doesn't have a veteran quarterback like Drew Brees, but just the fact that he's making that effort, the fact that all the reports are that he's such a hardworking guy, you need that chemistry, and he's doing whatever he can to establish that. So that's great. Now we'll transition to Chase, where he already has that chemistry. He doesn't <laughs> even have to go out of his way to do all that stuff. Yeah. That's his college quarterback. They put them back together. The last time we saw him on the field was two years ago, and he was just crushing it, catching passes from Burrow. I think they're going to pick up where they left off. And I think all the reports that we're getting out of the practices from, from mini camp and already in training camp, these guys are on the same page. This guy just prospect wise, um, you know, right up there, him and Kyle Pitts this year are just two guys that they almost seem too good to fail. And I know that's a dangerous thing to say, but <laughs> these guys are like the cream of the crop yep. for prospects at their position all the comps for Jamar Chase are really high-end guys. He is going to come out and, and make noise right away. And it's not just because people want to say, well, it's because Justin Jefferson came out of LSU and had such a great season. Now everybody yeah. just thinks Chase is going to do it. Look at the situation he's going to. He's getting his college quarterback, like we said. Last year, before Burrow went down, was on pace to lead the league in pass attempts. They're going to throw all the time. I don't yeah. think that Burrow's going to be able to run as much. That means that they're going to have to throw even more. So there's going to be a lot of volume to go around. So it's not that I'm down on T. Higgins, and I have them close. It's not that I'm down on T. Higgins at all. I think both those guys are going to be fantastic this year. And I also think, even though I have him ranked a little further down, I, I might have a bit of a, a bias against like those volume-dependent slot guys. But Tyler Boyd based on how much volume could be in that offense, based on the fact that they don't really use their tight ends that much, I think all three of these guys could be fantasy assets and, and big-time fantasy factors this year, but especially Chase and Higgins. So I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if next year we're talking about Chase as a top-10 wide receiver in the NFL. And 
based on what we've seen from from dynasty managers over the last couple of years, he's going to come out and have like one big game, and then he's going to be everybody's wide receiver one in dynasty, right? Like that's yeah. kind of how it works. <laughs> exactly. Last year we saw it with with Lamb, he had a big game, boom, he's wide receiver one. Jefferson next, yeah. and you know it'll probably be Chase this year. He'll get bumped yeah. right up right away. And I will also say I'm particularly sad about this because in the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Invitational. I tried so hard to trade up with Mike Taglier to get Chase, and he wisely would not give up the pick, and he took Chase. So now I have to watch Chase on his team for the next, oh. you know, however many years, 12, 15 years, be a, a fantastic fantasy player and, and just kind of cry away on, on the side myself about it. Well, I love what you said. I mean, a lot of things there, but you said, I mean, the, the connection, I think, is something that just, just does not go unnoticed. And I think the fact that you could even throw out the narrative that in the last year that Justin Jefferson and, um, Jamar Chase played together. Jamar Chase outplayed him I mean, by, by a solid amount. That doesn't mean that Jeff, Justin Jefferson was bad, but that's how good Jamar Chase was. And I think there's people yeah. out there that are saying, Justin, they're not going to pass as much. Well, they were first in, in pace last year. So even if they don't pass as much, they were still first in the NFL in pace last year. And I think that's going to keep up, like you said, the connection with them at the end of the day. And I think the prospect is who he is. I mean, there's I mean, a lot of by things that I've read and people that are evaluating Chase are all saying this guy's like the best wide receiver since Julio Jones. I mean, coming in. And I, I mean, that is that is a not too bad a category to be in. And it's tough because like the last thing I'll say with this is they I mean, with Chase and Pitts, both of them. I mean, Ch- I mean, Pitts was considered the best prospect since Kellen Winslow. They're comparing Jamar Chase to Julio Jones or A.J. Green. I mean, it's tough when you compare those guys, but like they're just that good. And it's unfortunate they're in the same draft and they get put down because of that. Yeah, there's guys where it's it's hyperbole, and yeah. then there's guys where it's not. And, exactly. you know, when Saquon Barkley was coming out and people were calling him a generational talent, it kind of became like a running joke. Yeah, it, They weren't wrong. Like, the guy literally is that good. Like, he is just a phenomenal football player. Um, I think Chase and Pitts, as much as we have this, we're, we're very prone to kind of want to be, this is the next big guy, and this guy's going <laughs> to blow the doors off. Um, I think with those two guys, it's it's going to make sense, and, and we're going to be right in that call. They're going to come out and, and make noise as rookies right away. No, I'm 100% with you. Well, we've had a lot of positivity on the show, a lot of guys that you're higher on than consensus. We have to at least do one that we're lower on in consensus, one guy Uh-oh. that you should be staying away from. And <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever been more with you, similar to the Elijah Moore take. Like, I don't get why this guy's ECR is so high. And even the people, like you mentioned with Elijah Moore, okay, maybe it's people that, you know, ranked in March and didn't see the Elijah Moore news. But this guy, I mean, this guy is not a guy that you see in March and, like, should have been up here anyway. Um, that's Adam Thielen. So Adam Thielen is an ECR of 21 right now for wide receivers. Do you have him at 30? Uh, please tell us why we should stay away from Adam Thielen. And, by the way, I am 100% with you. Okay. Adam Thielen, we love you. Absolutely. Um, you've been Absolutely. on so many of my fantasy teams over 100%. the years. You've been an incredible value in fantasy drafts. we got to <laughs> say all of that first. However... Uh, he's getting up there. He's going to turn 31 in August. And that's not a death knell for receivers necessarily. There's some guys that I think can age gracefully and and continue to produce. Um, what I'm concerned about with Thielen is he's had these, these soft tissue injuries. And as he gets older, that could be a little harder to recover from. Um, the fact that Justin Jefferson has now clearly emerged as the top receiver there, I don't think there's any question about it. So if it was just Thielen and we had sort of a, a secondary guy there, then maybe Thielen could continue to, you know, put up some some decent yards and maybe continue to put up nice touchdown totals. But you have Justin Jefferson as the new number one. You have Dalvin Cook, who gets a, a big workload in the passing game. You have Irv Smith coming on. You got a lot of other options there. 
Um, it's not just Thielen anymore. You have touchdown regression, 100% for sure coming for him. He scored 14 touchdowns last year. I think he only had one other season with more than six touchdowns. He had a, a nine-touchdown season. So he's only had two seasons in his career where he's been over six touchdowns. So to think that he's going to come anywhere near 14 again, I, I think you're fooling yourself. So, so that's a big one. And then also, when you just look at what he's done recently, I know people love him, but Thielen, in his last 25 games, He's been held under 60 yards in 17 of those 25 games. Under 60 yards. So he's been so touchdown dependent. If we see the touchdowns come back, and it's not going to come back to zero, maybe scores seven or eight, but it's not going to be 14 to keep him right up there, right? So I think when you factor all that stuff in, the touchdown regression, the competition that he has there now, and the fact that you are really – just grabbing him almost like sometimes with running backs, right? Where they're just very touchdown dependent. You know, they're not going to be involved in the passing game, all that sort of stuff. You need them to score. That's really what you need from Thielen. You need him to come out and have a double digit touchdown season. And it's possible, but based on those other things I said, I'm not really banking on it. There's a lot of other guys in that range, especially a lot of breakout candidates, the the Brandon Ayukes and, you know, LaVisca Chanos, those guys, I would rather take a shot on them breaking out than Thielen kind of keeping it together for another year. Well, I think you made a lot of great points there. I mean, again, the competition is just getting harder for him in Minnesota. I mean, you have Irv Smith, who's going to be going into another year. Justin Jefferson, people think, are still ascending at the end of the day. So what's the ceiling? This is one of the lower-volume passing teams in the NFL. He has guys that are in their second and third year that could break out. You still have Dalvin Cook in their team. They're going to run – I mean, they're going to run the ball a ton. So, again, like you said, the ceiling is just so low. That's tying back to what you said about running backs and quarterbacks and stuff like that. Like, you don't want to be drafting – Adam Thielen at wide receiver 21, just hoping for touchdowns every week when he's been held under 60 yards in 17 of his last 25 games. You want to be targeting a guy like you mentioned, the guys that have serious upside to finish a lot higher because those guys are going to win you your leagues at the end of the day. And one guy that, I mean, to finish off on Thielen, we're going into our final player of the day. And let me preface this before we give this. So I actually looked at your rankings for tight ends and stuff like that. So we have a little bit of every position, but the, the tight ends are just a little tougher and there wasn't any real big guy that stuck out from ECR compared to where you had them. So I was like, let me find one other player that's really, really interesting in your rankings. And that player happened to be DJ Moore. So DJ Moore right now has a wide, sorry, an ECR of wide receiver 18. You have him all the way up at 13. So he's also finished in 2019. He finished as the wide receiver 19, 2020 finishes the wide receiver 22, but he's had only four touchdowns each of the last two years. And the last thing, I mean, Reception, perception. This is a guy that's gotten better every single year. No Curtis Samuel, 97 vacated targets. Um, I think he's very interesting, but you have him really, really high. Why is that? I'm surprised I even have to like argue this one. I mean, I know that he doesn't score as many touchdowns as people would like, but touchdowns can be fluky. Like I just (laughs) talked about Thielen where, you know, he didn't have that many big seasons touchdown wise. And then all of a sudden, boom, it happens for him. Right. So Terry, uh, it's not going to be a, a you know direct. You know they bring in Terrace Marshall and he's going to take over for Curtis Samuel. But I do think Terrace Marshall is going to have a, a role in this offense. It's not like all of a sudden Samuel's gone and now it's just going to be Robbie Anderson and more. But more when you look at the production that he's had at his age, yeah. it's like among the historical best in the NFL, like all time. Like he is producing at such a young age. He's just not really scoring the the big touchdown total. And that's keeping him from being a top five or top 10 fantasy wide open. But consistency wise, people might be upset because a lot of people, including myself, were talking him up last year, the beginning of the season. And he came out and had sort of a, a very slow start to the year. But then if you look at it, 
he picked things up. He was right back up in the, the top 20, top 15 after the first month of the season. So we saw Robbie Anderson kind of do the opposite. He started really strong and then it kind of leveled off for him a little bit. I think both those guys are, are really nice values where he can get them. Um, I don't know that Sam Darnold is going to be able to improve that offense at all, but I don't think he's going to be much worse than Teddy Bridgewater. We saw Teddy Bridgewater, who we could really call a, a journeyman at this point, a guy that's just going to kind of keep Crazy. things on track. Yeah. Um, he was able to support three top 25 fantasy wide notes last year with Samuel as well. So we could see Darnold come in, and I don't think that, you know, the wheels are going to completely come off that offense because Darnold's there. I just don't think Darnold himself has a lot of fantasy value. I think he'll have some big games, but there'll be some inconsistency as well. Um, and, and more is, regardless of the quarterback, continue to produce, whether it was a banged-up Cam Newton, whether it was Kyle Allen there, just continues to produce in whatever role they put him in. And I think the fact that Samuel is gone – might give more a chance now to get into the slot and get some of those easier targets there as opposed to being lined up on the outside and kind of sent deep, which is how they used him a lot last year. Um, and I don't think is the, the best way to use him necessarily. I think it's smart to kind of move him around the formation and give him some some easy targets. He is great after the catch. Amazing. And let's get the ball into his hands. And this guy is just a breakout waiting to happen. I mean, he continuously he's putting up these thousand yard seasons. Uh, he's going to do it again this year. And if the touchdown total hits, everyone's going to be very, very excited about him as a top 10, maybe even like a top five, six, seven Ooh, kind of guy. I like it. I like it. I love the take. But that, I mean, for our ranking stuff, I mean, I 100% agree with you on DJ Moore. I think he's a guy that I will be drafting a lot of. And it's tough because he burned me last year. He's a guy that I really expected to take a step forward, as did a lot of us. Um, and he didn't do that. But again, it's not like he was bad. He's still been, he was still top, I mean, 22 last year, which is not awful. But again, I think that DJ Moore. Yeah, Moore's later in the season and like the, yeah. the, you know, last three quarters of the season, he was a guy that you were very happy to have yeah. in your lineup. I get 100%. at the beginning of the year, people were messaging me going, do I, should I drop him? Should I? I was like, what are you talking about? Like, this is going to be fine. Don't worry. For sure. uh, and they figured it out. And the schedule for them early in the season is very easy as well. They come out Jets, Saints, uh, Texans. So a uh, really nice first Spicy few weeks style. there yep. um, that, yeah, he could, he could have some nice production out of the gate, maybe a little different than last year. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed for that. And before we get into our final question of the day, my favorite question, we're going to take one more quick break. All right, Justin, my final question for you today, my favorite question in all of fantasy football this year, what is your 2021 flag plant, your boldest prediction, the player that you believe in more than anyone else in fantasy football this year? Oh, well, if we're wording it that, I mean, more than anyone well, more else. more than anyone uh, else, given their price. Doesn't have to be, okay, so you don't have to I, say Christian McCaffrey because he's number one. Yeah. Right. I uh, I write a, a bold predictions article and it's in our draft kit. And that's on, on the score app. People can check that out now. Seven bold predictions in there. Uh, this is one of them. And it might be might be my favorite of the bunch. And then so I'll throw it out there. I think and maybe this isn't even bold at this point, based on how some people are talking about him. But I think that Kyle Pitts is going to break Mike Ditka's record that is Ooh, now like that. what? 60 years old it was 1961 yep. his rookie record for most <laughs> yards by a rookie tight end had over a thousand yards no one's really come close we saw jeremy shockey i think was in the 800s we saw evan ingram i think in the the 700s and we saw in those situations like evan ingram it took like everybody else in that offense getting hurt that they threw him out there because normally everybody knows this you know the rookie tight ends they don't normally produce we all know that story, 
but Pitts, kind of like we talked about with, with Jamar Chase, Pitts is going to come in and you might not even want to call him a tight end. There's a chance that he's just this complete cheat code for fantasy because they line him up out wide so much. And they have to because they have this Julio Jones-sized void in that offense. They need somebody out there. They threw the ball a ton last year. The defense did not get that much better, so they're going to have to throw the ball a ton this year as well. And Pitts, it's like he was made in a lab, right? Like this guy is just the the perfect tight end from a size standpoint, the wingspan, everything about him, the athleticism. Um, And he's going to an offense where Arthur Smith – coming from Tennessee, loves to use his tight ends, and now he has a guy who very soon might be considered the best one in the league. And I don't know. I think that's bold. I think the fact that we're going to call for a a 60-year-old record to fall and a rookie tight end to come in and just immediately maybe join the elite tight ends in the league uh, could be silly. And based on where he's going right now, I'm okay with it. If I can't get one of those elite guys in the first two or three rounds, I'll take Pitts uh, a round or two later. I'm I'm happy to grab him. Now we'll see where he's going as the the hype train as all the the casual fantasy managers come back and the hype yep. train continues over the next month. Maybe that'll drive his price up even more. But right now, if I can't get one of those top three tight ends, I will gladly take Pitts and and take on that risk because I think he's going to come in and just have a like a monster season right off the bat. Yeah, I'm with you. That that's actually it's crazy that. I haven't had so on my this 31 episodes for the season. That is the second Kyle Pitts flag plant I've heard. And it is the second one this week. I had Stefania Bell earlier on the podcast this week. <laughs> and she said her bold prediction that he's going to finish top five this season. Um, I think your prediction's a little bolder saying that he's going to break a 61 year record or 60 year record. Rookie tight um, end, second rookie tight end ever yeah. to get a thousand yards. And yeah. I, I hope he will be. And I think that is a great bold prediction. And I hope that you are absolutely right. Um, so Justin, that is it for today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Do you have anything that you want to plug or any closing thoughts before we get out of here? No, I mentioned a couple times the, the score fantasy football draft gets out. People can check that out on the score. If they, if they don't have the score app, they definitely should. 100%. The best sports app out there. And not just for my fantasy content, the scores pages are like the most efficient, beautiful scores pages. So if you want to follow whatever sport you follow, definitely download the app. Uh, the Score Fantasy Football Podcasts. Next week, we're, we're starting to go to two episodes a week, and then that'll ramp up to three episodes as we get closer to the season. So a lot of great stuff on there. I had Edwin Porras uh, of Fantasy Points, the uh, injury analyst. Had him on this week going over all these injury updates, the uh, Michael Thomases and Saquon Barkley. And I think that's a really important episode. I like to do that around this time every year just to kind of get that update on where we're at with some of those guys coming back from injuries and some of the ones that we just found out about in the last week or so here, including Cam Akers and what could mean for you know his future beyond this year with that Achilles tear. Uh, and then follow me on Twitter at Justin Boone. You can come ask me questions and I post a lot of my content on there as well. So yeah, come uh, give me a follow and, and let's try to win some fantasy titles this year. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. That is one of the best plugs that I've heard all season. I absolutely love it. You can follow him at Justin Boone on Twitter. I would highly recommend one of the best follows out there. And if you don't want to follow him, if you're like, I don't like Justin Boone, please stop listening to my podcast. Please never listen again. <laughs> But at least use his rankings at the end of the day. Even if you don't agree with them, you got to use them as, again, a data point at worst. So I'll leave everybody with that. But thank you to anyone listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast today. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Please leave me please leave me a review. Always looking for feedback to make this the best podcast ever. Even if it's bad feedback, I want to find a way to get better. That's the only way we can improve. And with that said, please leave a review. You guys already know what to do. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day. <laughs>